Roland's Rabble. Friday, December the 9th, 2005. Hi, I'm Roland Tanglao, podcasting from Vancouver, Canada. And today I have with me a uh, special guest, Colin Brumell of Bright. Uh, my David Gratton of the Donut Group and Music Maven. And Brian Rieger, just general multimedia maven. And Steph Rieger's actually here too, but she declines to speak at this moment. Exercising your constitutional rights. No, just kidding. And the, we, we have that right in Canada, or is that uh, an American thing? We always talk about the future of 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 the web, and we call it Web 2.0. And I know that's a term that's been um, the word be overhyped and being derided in Silicon Valley to the point where people in Silicon Valley don't even want to use that term, right? Um, but I think it's a useful term because what else are you going to call it? Are you going to call it the global online multimedia two-way conversation, or are you going to call it Web 2.0? Um, so, <laughs> we have all these theories about Web 2.0s in the general sense. Oh, I thought we would focus on the future of music or music 2.0. And um, Colin, you want to start off? What do you, what do you think is music 2.0? You're gonna have to hold the mic. Uh, we got a new sort of cool setup from Dave Olson and his cool M Audio micro track for this week because our stuff is in Banff, still with blogs and docs. What's the future of music? The future of music? Well, thanks. Um, I just finished reading a fantastic book called Is that on? The Future of Music ah, okay. uh, And in this book, The Future of Music The, the authors propose like a, a world where uh, They say music flows like water So it's like, water, like you know, Music as a utility or a, uh, or a service And you see some services like that Like Rhapsody and things like that Where uh, it's a service But I think the fundamental shift Is away from people purchasing Kind of like a discrete physical object, like a CD, and some place where music is much more ephemeral and. And what's the role of the labels? Uh, the role of a record label? I think I think we're going to see the role of a record label transition in the next couple of years from being something that manufactures, you know, physical objects like, you know, cars or books or products, and being more like, um, kind of like a. You know, uh, organization that helps artists develop and uh, maybe even instead of being tied to the manufacturing and, s and selling of CDs, uh, maybe getting a take of uh, artists, you know, live shows. I, mean, I, I think live shows will be much more popular. Are there any so-called music 2.0? Uh, you know, we always say the future is there, but it's unevenly distributed. The future is here, but it's unevenly distributed. Right. To misquote William Gibson, as we talked about previously on Roland's Rabo. Um, are there any examples you'd like to point to, like Flickr and Delicious? We always like to point to, and, and Drupal is sort of like web two dot Companies, I don't think there's anything like that. Really, but there must be independents or people who are not in the mainstream, right? That's what always happens, right? The startups, the upstarts. Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of fantastic music services that are definitely, you know, music two like Last Last on FM, for example, right. is a fantastic right. service, or. Uh, Pandora, or right. even, even some small record labels do a really good job with new technology, like podcasting, like Sub Pop, for example, that's a fantastic podcast of new material. Um, so, so it's getting there, but I think the there's no nuts to bolts solution. No nuts to soup or whatever this expression is, nuts to bolts. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's an interesting question. I think we will see the role of record company change drastically in the coming coming years. What about, As, sorry, what about com? Mike. What about companies like Magnatune? Um, would they be considered a music 2.0 company? 
you got to put the mic close uh, to okay. you, folks. Sorry. Uh, basically, um, would companies such as Magnatune, who have more of a, uh, a liberal license for the music, is that closer to a, uh, a music 2.0 company, or maybe something along the lines of what Lucas's, uh, Lucas Guns' current um, meme is, is the Lightnet? Yeah. The Lightnet. Yeah, because he hates iPods? Or I, I saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not even sure when we say, I mean, when we say music too, I don't know. I mean, what, like, you know, what, what, are, what are we really talking about? I mean, we don't, we the next version of music. We don't know. The next version of music. So, I mean, is it, is it how music's, you know, listened to and acquired and consumed? Or is it how music's, I mean, produced? I mean, we haven't even talked about that. I mean, the advent of tools like, I mean, like things like Pro Tools and the cutting and pasting of music and... I mean, there's uh, a kid in his room with a, an iMac now can do stuff that you know would have required. Oh, we, you have to get the mic close to him. Yeah. So Brian was saying that a kid in his room with an iMac can do things that this musician couldn't do, like say with GarageBand. Yeah. Right. Well, David, you haven't chimed in. What's what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I think it's actually a bit larger than um, uh, than that. I think uh, um, I think um, well, music 2.0, nice term. Um, it has more to do with um, the self-publishing of music and, and music being freely distributed. And that's why I think labels actually have a much different role to play in what's right. going to happen here. So what's happened in the music industry, in my in, in my opinion, um, and uh, I'm not alone in this, but it's um, uh, is uh, barriers to the production of music broke down um, in the 80s and 90s uh, right. with the invent of things like Pro Tools. Yeah. Um, and now, um, with the advent of, um, we started with Napster um, and peer-to-peer -peer, uh, file sharing, um, and the proliferation of MP3 files, that the gate, the, the typical gatekeepers, which were the labels, uh, have fallen. So the barriers to distribution have also fallen. So Web 2.0 is is going to embrace both of these cataclysmic events in music. One of which is the collapse of the distribution model that has existed for the last 50 years of music and um, the collapse of, 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 of the cost of producing the music. Right. So. so you really think it's going to collapse? And you really think that um, we have a lot more good stuff out there? A lot more junk, too, but a lot more good stuff. Well, it's a, when, you say when I say collapse, I'm saying that the old model has collapsed. I think it's very clear. You're seeing a drop this year of 12% in, in right. record sales. Right. Um, and it has nothing to do with file sharing. I mean, yeah. um, if you take a look at other digitally um, shared media, um, that, we, that, that can be shared, only music is falling in sales. And okay. so video is... Like, well, yeah. the DVDs, video games, I mean, they're not, yeah, they're not suffering, right? So DVDs, suffering. Colin, you're saying DVDs and video games are not suffering. Okay. No, and you can go on the peer-to-peer -peer network and download those off of BitTorrent in, in, in a few hours. So it's not like these things, it's, it, music is, is suffering right now because the old model is, is collapsing. Right. So well, oh, go ahead. What, what do you think is, is unique about music as opposed to, say, games or, or even software that's making it collapse faster if it's not about distribution? Well, it is part of distribution. Distribution has collapsed, but it's also because you can create it right now. You don't need a team of people to create a movie or to create a, to create a song. You need to create a movie or create video games. You can, with a recorder and, a, and your Macintosh and with free software on your Mac, um, create a broadcast quality um, song that you can then publish. That alone, the fact that you can go from, from creation to publishing in a matter of minutes is what's changing this industry. Yeah, yeah, I, I really think so because with with ubiquitous broadband on both uh, the the desktop and soon on our mobile devices, uh, audio, a song, even if you 
put it up there with really good quality, it could be like 20 megabytes, and that's not a problem. Like three minute song could be 20 megabytes, it's decent quality, it's not yeah. laughing to laugh home, you know, take home with you, but it's, uh, um, it's pretty decent. Do you think part of it is also uh, the kind of the fragmentation of people's tastes and the fact that, I mean, part of what a record company does is they kind of manufacture celebrities, essentially. And um, now that people have kind of a broader choice of uh, alternatives and, and they're able to kind of make their own celebrities, that maybe their role is sort of eroding in that fr on that front as well. Well, that, that's a pretty good yeah. I, I, I would agree with it. I mean, the role of labels before was, because it was expensive to yeah. make a record, was to... Get, take the find the wheat through the shaft, right? The, right. To find the, the jewels amongst yeah. the stones. Um, but but now that that role has has changed considerably, um, and um, as, that, as, as that train leaves the the, the station, <laughs> station. <laughs> I have a problem talking um, to it Friday at four. Uh, it's the beer I've been drinking. Uh, <laughs> keep drinking, um, you'll be better. You'll be more sorry, lucid. Just, uh, re uh, repeat the, uh, sorry, just repeat the, the question again, because uh, yeah, just, just you're the, nailing it. The, the kind of cultural shift in terms of in terms of the fragmentation, people like wanting to find stuff that's not top forty. And they want to find the bottom forty. And it is. You got to. And this this actually has to do with consumption changes. Actually, yeah. in my mind, yeah. is is right now um, genre is not a very good indicator of preference of music. And yeah. we've done right. a lot genre of genre is bogus, right? It is because yeah. kids today don't give a damn. They'll listen to Johnny Cash followed by Metallica. Yeah. Back in the seventies, you would never. Do that. <laughs> yeah. okay. Johnny Cash, Metallica rule. <laughs> so and so that's that's changed a lot, and th this has also changed the way things are being marketed, which is part of the issue of distribution. Is that mm. is that is that labels are having this massive problem of well, how do I categorize it? Mm. And and ca since categorization has fallen apart, is also part of the reason the radio is starting to fall apart. I can't be a rock station anymore. That's right. Yeah, what sure. is it that I what is sure. it that I'm representing? Which is which yeah. is why things like like the set, the satellite radio, which is just entering Canada, seem to me to be such a ludicrous idea. I agree. It's hundred percent ludicrous. Why would you thousand have thousand stations? A thousand ten, stations playing crazy playlists you don't care about. Ten rock format stations. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and like I might like listening to the occasional reggae tune, but yeah. my worst nightmare is to have a twenty-four hour reggae ah, station. Blasphemy! I've had a similar experience where I, I use Napster and they have this uh, this thing where you can it takes your playlist and turns it into like they come up with a radio station that suggests songs for you and it's like it's like every it's like a bad version of every song I like you know and it's just it's based on this idea that they take the genre and they're like okay you like you know whatever electronic music so here's all the shit that you've selected out of your list and we're 24 hours a day yeah it's yeah. um it's 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 a very good point. I mean, because um, when you take a look at uh, the consumption habits, um, people that are my age and older, I'm in my thirties and, and older, do sort of listen to genre specific music still, mm -hmm. very very genre specific. Versus mm -hmm. people in their twenties really really don't. That's why when I look at something like Pandora and how and Pandora was made by a bunch of thirty and forty plus. Yeah. Tech and technology people. Mm -hmm. uh, be wary of anyone over the age of 30. Um, <laughs> and, and my father thinks it's great, right? Yeah. I can't stand it because I put in, yeah. like, you know, they said, name a couple of people that you like. Well, okay, I started with Neil Diamond because I, you know, Sweet Caroline's a kick ass song. Good stuff. <laughs> but Sweet it's followed up by Air Supply. Either. Right. I think that and was a user error, supply. actually. And air supply. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's just... And you want to follow by in the ghetto. Elvis, <laughs> <laughs> baby. Elvis. Hold on. I love that. You, you nailed me exactly. So... <laughs> 
Um, anyway, so that's that's the, the consumption habits are, are, are changing drastically, and genre mm-hmm. is a great way for us to self-categorize, much like tagging is. Yeah. But yeah. it's not a great way for Ooh, sharing, tagging. and it's not a great way for um, uh, for for discovery. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead, Susie. So, is there a label that is actually managing to adapt to this? That's what I was are say. any of them nobody uh, out there able really. to morph, or, or is this sort of a dead way of delivering music? Well, I, I, I think, I mean, I think labels are in the, they have to reinvent themselves, and they, they, I think they're quite aware of that. Uh, but it's hard once you're hooked on crack to get off of it, right? But once you're making money oh, yeah. and you have a revenue stream and it works, well, it is, which is being a gatekeeper. That's right. why it is, you know, my opinion that. Why do they want DRM? DRM does not belong in this new model at all, and it'll fa- yeah. it'll fail. Digital rights management, cop yeah. protection. So, is is that if you can if you can if you can impose DRM onto the economy, mm-hmm. I've reestablished my gate. Right, sure. you must go yeah. through me, and therefore my revenue model, my business model, is maintained. Yeah. So that's the reason that that's being embraced. Right. Um, so who's who's a few labels are trying to actually. Um, I think see some difference. I think Network here in Vancouver mm-hmm. understands that what's happening. They have released a lot of music for free, uh, and free is not the only issue of Webpoint to Web. But I'm just saying that you know, for a label to say, okay, let's release music for free, yeah. that's totally different thinking at least. Um, they've released uh, music on a uh, on a me- media stick. They've really oh uh, right right. They're the first USB ones to embrace MySpace. Ladies? As a label, they were on there. So yeah, they were the first. Network was the first. They're As the a first label to be to, to really not the first people on there, but the first label to embrace MySpace as a marketing tool for their bands um, and providing music there. So what's I mean? Do we have any bands who are an example of like they released everything digitally? They were unknown. Like uh, Park. Right. Oh, really? Park. They released everything digitally. They couldn't get a record content, so they released it on Napster. And yep. Yeah. The rest is or, or Wilco. They were. They were. Famous story, like they were dropped from the record label after they recorded a fantastic album. They thought it was good, so they released it on the internet, and I mean, a huge success followed, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it, I think it goes to show that you don't. I mean, so many things there. You don't need a record company to succeed now. You have tools to get word out and spread buzz, you know, yourself online. There's so many fantastic tools. Um, been really interesting to listen to you talk about this. My background is in journalism, and this week I had a long talk with someone about, you know, citizen journalism, community journalism, etc. And why is it why is it not working within, you know, the organizations that traditionally do news? And frankly, you know, the carryover is the same, right? That the traditional journalist, so to speak, with the newspaper sees itself as a gatekeeper. You know, we filter the news for you, tell you what to care about, and that's probably exactly why they're not able to move into this new space and take advantage of it. Why they feel so threatened by it. Uh, and I wonder how many other industries this this concept filters in through. And like, what other industries are seen as gatekeepers? And I'm sure Michael actually has much more to say on this. Yeah, uh, I, I could add something to that, but if you want to. Oh no, I just yeah. thought that was a, that's a that's a really interesting insight. I never really yeah. thought of newspapers like that, but that's yeah. that's that's really interesting actually. Well, I, we it's it's a good segue because we we've actually been doing uh, now public. We've been doing some focus groups with uh, users to figure out. We're, we're citizen journalism, journalism site, so we're trying to figure out what the what the essence of the p- appeal of it is. And um, I was talking to to one woman, and uh, you know, one of the questions we asked is, do, "Do you read news online?" And she said, "She said no." She goes, "I get my news from Flickr." <laughs> and it kind of blew me away. Is she in Vancouver? No, she's in Georgia. She's a what? she's a middle aged uh, uh, house. Well, she lives on a farm in Georgia. She's got a mother. She's a mother of an eight year old daughter. She podcasts. She's a vlogger. She's got like seven thousand photographs on Flickr. 
she doesn't have one. I mean, she just she's just a Flickr oh, user. What's her Flickr ID? Oh, I don't know. I, I can't tell okay, you. Okay, keep going. As he writes down notes. Anyway, um, so I, I just thought it was what I thought was really interesting was that, like, I was kind of astonished by that. But it's it's so obvious when you think about it because that's that's the new paradigm of trust is w what are your friends doing and so this is happening in the news business now which is really like a real uh, reversal because it's not just the editor telling you what's important it's what your buddies tell you right and so oh Flickr, yeah. Flickr can 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 facilitate that and so the same thing needs to happen with music so you have things like playlists and things where you find someone who listens to a bunch of cool stuff and that that's that's your genre it's you know your buddy your buddy's your genre oh maybe your buddy would take it like Michael would like this Michael Tippett sure. would like this. Sure. I mean, that's that's why I really love services like Last FM. I, I don't know if you guys are all familiar with that. No, but not intimately. We should talk about it anyway. It's um. We're not the only ones here. It's it's true. <laughs> it's I mean, so what it does, it's a plugin that you download and it attaches to whatever you listen to music with, like iTunes or whatever, and it keeps track of every tune you listen to, and then it publishes that information to a website, and the, the URL is last.fm. And there's an RSS feed. And, well, Correct. So, so when and .fm is the country suffix from the Federated States of Micronesia. And you suddenly have a whole new economic base. <laughs> FM is yeah. Federated States of Micronesia. And I've been there, and there's not much else there. Yeah. They are to radio what uh, Tuvalu was to television. <laughs> That's right. But I guess the point is, though, that once, once, uh, once all your, all, like your entire history of what you listen to is, is recorded on this site, I mean, and there's lots of other users too. I think there's like a couple, couple hundred thousand other users, okay. right? So it says, you know, people that listen to, you know, a lot of the same tunes you listen to also listen to, you know, also listen to this. But Is that of any value? But you have, I found lots of bands that well, way. Well, one thing yeah. I've done actually, so we, our company, sorry, so what, these, you're very bright guys over there. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, what they've done is been able to take that data and, and make, well, make relationships to the actual music so if you type in a band like um, uh, Metallica again for, for an example you would have um, a list of different bands coming up with relationships to them based on how people are listening to Metallica or having them in their, in their music so you could come up with a correlation for you know Alice in Chains of say 68% and so it's a very interesting way of looking for music right for making a recommendation engine Exclusively as a recommendation engine, not so great, but it's really, really useful in in in, in, um, in combination with things like what you just said, the trusted uh, trusted source. And trusted source is really what I think Web 2.0 really needs to embrace because sure. because if you have I'm uh, sorry, music 2.0. I'm trying to yeah. get used to your terminology there. Conversation, well. communication, collaboration. Is that we have if we have no barriers on distribution and anybody can publish music, we have millions of songs out there. How do you right. filter through these? Yeah. And so the research that we had done is that um, the average user in the world, like in well, North America, right, with biggest music consumption per capita, is that you will not listen to 100,000 different songs in your lifetime. <laughs> really? It doesn't sound like a lot, does it? No. Uh, that's, that's the bit, you know, oh. so when, and when it, not, sorry, not listen, not not keep a hundred thousand like as in as in like I that's, would, I could. that's that's a song that I will I will purchase that's a song that I would I would own yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, you we all have our favorites right yeah. and we, we listen to songs over and over again we have only so many hours in the day yeah, to listen yeah. to songs yeah and that's 
that's just how many songs we're going to have. Real avid people will listen to a lot more, but the average human being just doesn't. And they stop listening yep. to new music after the age of 35. <laughs> oh, but no, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm, I'm in trouble. trouble. No, no, it's a good, good Keep on chugling. <laughs> so, so what happens, right? So what happens to, young again. to find your music, right? How do you find your music in this nightmare? It's so, a yeah. trusted source. What labels yeah. and radio used to be yeah. was trusted source. Yeah, that's collapsed. But you well, so and the other thing is that I, we talk about citizen journalism. It's, not, it's an area that I'm not professionally trained in, but I'm, I'm interested in. And what? Um, but oh, I don't wonder what the J school, right? I'm an engineer by background. But what the way I look at it is that we'll still have the the containers, but they'll get their stuff for for journalism specifically. They'll get their we'll get a lot of their stuff from from bloggers or whatever you want to call them, people creating media as opposed to getting it from people who are working for them. And we may have some means of compensating them, these so-called volunteer stringers, maybe not. I, but, I, you I know, mean, borrowing from the sort of citizen journalism world, I think that one of the models you might see is, is the idea that uh, behavior becomes content. And if that's a change, like if that's a fundamental right, change... Right, attention in, is content. Right, and if that's a fundamental change in the whole method of production, yep. then all of a sudden the economics kind of disappear as something that's not, that's not relevant anymore. You don't need to get paid to behave. Right, you just listen to music. Right. You're not doing it professionally. And, that's, right. and that, that actually has a lot to do with more than that. You, you, you've nailed something that I think is, is the key to actually the discovery of all content. Yeah. Is behavior is, um, is, is the key. Because tagging, uh, tagging and creating metadata is actually um, is re-engineering human beings. Right. We should, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Not so invent a system question. that... Artificially. Yeah. This is a behavior. question I have, though, then. Okay, so behavior is supposed to be natural, right? <laughs> but I, I know that the fact that now all my music is digital and on my computer has changed the way that I listen to music. And, and it's changed it. I don't put an album anymore, right? I just put random on. Most of the time, that's what I do. And so the technology is now influencing the way that I listen to the music and not in a way that is in this case anyway, generating valid data about my listening habits besides the fact of the, the set of music that I listen to. Well, they to. are changing, right? I mean, you're the technology does change your, the way you walk, your habits, but you do hit that skip button when you hit that song on random sure. or like. Yeah. That behavior is valid. The point right. that you choose to go to somebody's mm -hmm. playlist to listen to it, that yeah. behavior is valid. The yeah. fact that there's similarities and sometimes the music that you're listening to and points in time that you're listening to it is also valid behavior that can be captured. But it's so interesting about I, I, you. And that's you made a great data email. that belongs to you. You made a great email post uh, to move this, uh, it's in the dark net, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Emails where knowledge goes to die. I think we should make it out to the light net. Is that Colin made, I, I just saw it really, it was a brilliant comment on the way people are, are listening to music now. The album, the fact that you used to put an album on, and now we don't. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was just like, you know, bring that out to the light. Cause it was a really, I thought it was just brilliant. <laughs> well, because I, I, uh, I have a massive, I have a massive MP3 collection, but I also have a, a large vinyl collection of right. jazz records, right. and I love it. I, and I love like taking it off the shelf and opening it up oh, and looking yeah. at the liner notes and taking the big black disc and walking over and, and it's it's a real to me it's a real physical act yeah, it's a visceral of, thing. of placing it on and you Tactile. see it spinning around and it's even a, it's even more of a performance right because there's a physical needle bouncing up and down and you can you know it really feels it's like, like a, trying a tie it's, it's like a performance as opposed to having a pretty tie tie you know and it's so a performance um, and so to me the the it's it's a kind of about intention Football i guess music. Is, yeah. is the point of, it, so it, like to me the, when i put a record on i have to have you know i intend to sit down and Listen to it, enjoy it. You know, maybe I'll have a glass of wine. It, it's something that I that I go to do, but 
MP3s kind of encourage this um, like oral wallpaper. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it's always on. You know, maybe it's random. It's it's just background music. Again, right? it's attention, right? And how much attention do you pay? And that's fine. But it's it, there's a different. I think the intention of h- how you choose to listen to the music. I mean, of course, it affects everything about the whole thing. So. I mean, in, in some way, uh, it's almost like. What we're talking about is the future of radio, and not music necessarily, because because that's you're sort of replacing. I mean, I think of what my listening habits, and I, I listen to music at work, right? And and so that's kind of like the oral wallpaper, because I don't want Metallica screaming in my ear when I'm on a business uh, a call or something. Um, and, and that's when you listen to the sort of soft hits or what. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, right? But I mean, uh, that's when li- radio is listened to, right? Yeah. Top forty radio. And so that's sort of what you're what you're replacing with this stuff is kind of this flow, flowing, passive background music. Yeah. And here's here's my vision as a user. And I, I'm not so sure about that, but it is. No. Okay. I, my my vision as a user is that um, when I was growing up, I grew up and I was in Southern Ontario. I listened to CFNY, 102.1, the Spirit of Radio, that's right, yeah. and Dave Morrison, who was a crazy old man. He was not young then. And uh, Live Roll Jive, they all came from, and they played what I thought was new and exciting music from New Wave and Punk and all those things. <laughs> and it was always different. Like, I had never, a lot of times I had no idea what they were going to play next. And I just, that's where I got my quote unquote eclecticism. So, what I would like is, I don't know, I'd like both. I'd like, I'd like to pay 100 US a month. <laughs> Forever, for the rest of my life, to be able to own any music or audio, any content. Well, no, I'll confine myself to music and video. Anything I want. And then when I download it and put it on my hard drive, there's some sort of micropayment mechanism that the artist gets compensated. And I don't want, I don't want, and I want my trusted human filters. So if I trust Susie or David Gratton, or if I trust Brian Rieger or Steph Rieger, and they tag things or make some kind of attention gesture saying that, hey, Roland, I know Roland would love this song no matter what it is, I don't care what genre it is, then I want to know. Um, and we don't have that system. Is that kind of your guys' vision, that this kind of system, would, and how does it work from the artist's point of view? Like, that's the problem, paying the artist, I think. Well, the issue is the economics, right? So yeah, what is, what it's is always it? about like, the money, people, follow people, the money. Well, yeah, but people, Not make, people make the <laughs> argument, yeah. of, you know, is it, sorry, people make the argument, is it uh, a pay-per-download or per subscription model? And I think that's an ir- irrelevant conversation at the moment. Right. I right. really do. I honestly think what you want is a relevant conversation. Yeah. Right. I want to pay a flat fee. And I, I, it's well, not, not an insignificant fee either. Uh, beyond, the, beyond the payment, I'm just trying to get what you want. What you want is access. The world's library. Discovery of that yeah. library. Yeah. Right? And the ability to own that piece. As yes. A download but I'm it. 41 years old, so maybe owning things are, is wrong. Maybe I, I don't know. But I don't want... Well, you ownership, know? yeah. Let's not define ownership. Let's just having, say, control over that yes. piece of media. And all right? put on any of my right? devices. Yeah. And, and portability, right? And so, yeah. so addressing that issue is, is, is what has to be done. And I honestly believe that the economic model will fall out of that. Yeah. Right. You don't try. Let's put an economic model to something. No, you and go see and try to first. Be, exactly. Let's let's address that need, which is a huge need. And then let's see what the economic model falls out of that. I mean, one of the things that, I mean, just from the standpoint of just doing supply and demand analysis, when right. um, you take a look that, hey, now there is no supply shortage for buying songs. You can buy as many as you like, and I don't, it doesn't cost me a dime more to actually supply you a digital song. Right. So supply and demand models are starting to break down in the digital age for media, right? Yeah, so for Apple, <laughs> offering 10,000 songs is easy as 100,000. Well, I mean, in, in, in some ways, not to interrupt you here, but uh, <laughs> the, um, 
the, the more your stuff gets out there, the more valuable the song becomes because it becomes more familiar to people. So you actually want to give away free stuff. That's very astute. That that Thank you. you. That is, <laughs> that is, that is so but most people don't get that. They don't get like yeah. that. What you just said there is 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 because that that requires a new model, uh, economic model. So right, do you have some ideas of the model? Well, yeah. I mean, touring. I mean, it, why, why? I mean, so there's there's so many ways that, that musicians Schwag and touring. I mean, m- musicians have made livings long before the record company like Goliath ever existed, right? And How did they make money before the '50s or whenever the well, big I mean, record think, label think of, okay, model? I mean, going back in history. I mean, let's look at it, right? So there was like the court artisan right, who would sit around and play music for some wealthy duke, right? So it's like so a patronage, patronage model. Yeah. And then you had, you know, maybe maybe the wandering minstrel would walk around and play for, you know, at a bar and, and, or a pub and get food. I mean, I mean, if you look at the history of music, there's all these ways, or like the traveling bands in the 50s going around, or, sorry, 30s, I guess. You know, large bands before radio, I guess that'd be earlier even. How they, <laughs> make, how they, make, how they make a living? So playing, playing, playing concerts. But so, I mean, there's, there's a whole world outside of the professional music world. I mean, yeah. uh, there was also, back, back in the day, people actually played instruments, and they would sit around and, like, sing. I mean... There's, there's uh, I, I can't do that. I'm yeah. like an there's idiot. a whole bunch of music models out there. I mean, there's a, or, or a business models out there that revolve around music, licensing, sure. right? Yeah. To, to 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 games, to television, to video, to corporate soundtracks. There is the live performances. Um, there's swag. Um, there are um, there's a sale of of of, of, of music. Songs itself. on video games. Songs. Yes. So all of these sort of things are. Um, are, are, are ways that revenue can be generated from creating intellectual property or, or art. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 issue is, in my mind, is is, is how how does somebody want that music, mm-hmm. and how does somebody want to transfer from device to device, and what is the permanency of it, right? Yeah, permanency. Well, I wanted a format that I can move from all my devices. That's right. Without, that without shenanigans, like I said. If, you know, you're short a hundred bucks one day. Do you want it to all of a sudden disappear for a month? Right? No. One of the things that bugs me exactly. about Exactly. I don't want to do expire. Is, um... Okay. Years ago, I had an album collection. Then I had a tape collection. I had a CD collection. Now I've got an MP3 collection. I'm really tired of collecting. I, would, I just want to hear my music. So, in five years, when there's a better technology than MP3, do I have to yeah. go and buy all my things again? Clashes London Calling five times. Five <laughs> times. That's a beautiful album, by the way. Yeah. San Denisa, too, regardless of whether you're left or right. Yeah, that's that beautiful expensive, album. though, buying that 99 cents a track on iTunes, though. Pink Floyd the Wall, right? I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly it. I bought that so many times. And it's a perfect example of, like, Pink Floyd the Wall, Radiohead um, this albums, um, the issue that you brought up, Colin, again in that email, just tells me that what happened to to the album, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, yeah. the album, the new album, is a playlist, right? But a playlist, by the sheer fact that we can hit skip, destroys the whole album. Like one of the things yeah. that the physical yeah. barrier to actually lift the needle and place it onto the next right. line on the track enabled. Pink Floyd to have some really weird little tiny little songs right. in, yeah. in the wall. That, that don't translate yeah. to random very yeah. well. That, that, yeah, that don't translate at all. Yeah. I kind of like those well, passages. Kind of that no, I, yeah. but I, no, I like the one random. Though. Oh, you like the one? <laughs> it's like, ooh, what's that? the author. It's like, oh, that's the other part of it. It's like remixing stuff, you know, and, and the ability to kind of take it out of the context that the, that the artist wanted it. Yeah. It's, it's so we have lots of ideas. Do you, are, are you are? Uh, do you have a white paper or something where you sketch out more of a coherent vision than our rambling podcast? 
Well, um, all, uh, a lot of the thoughts that were on here are, are stuff that's on my blog. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, David we'll R. D. Gratton. Yeah. And um, the other thing is is that um, our, um, what you guys are involved, everybody's a good, it's a nice right. leading question. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody here happens to be involved in the project called Project Opus. Uh, right. Projectopus.com. Yep. And that is um, a, uh, uh, a project that's, trying to address exactly what we talked and about. And build on the ideas we just mentioned, That's right? exactly right, yeah. 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 Well, uh, I think we've exhausted it. I mean, th music is obviously a passionate uh, idea. How long have we been talking about music, Dave? Uh, that's uh, 32 minutes there, uh, Roll. 32 minutes about music. <laughs> <laughs> well, music's the soundtrack of your lives, whether it's, whether <laughs> oh, it, you know, whether it's... Call it Hallmark. Call it Hallmark. Aisle uh, one, soundtrack, you know, aisle one. One dollar forty nine cents instead of one ninety nine. Um, but it is. I mean, you know, you'll hear music and you'll you'll think about your wedding or you'll think about the time you were in in, in Iceland, uh, or the time you know that you were writing exams or you know. Um, it's a, it's an emotional thing. I I and I love movies, but in some ways I think music will cause me to cry or have an effect on me more way more. And, and at the same time, we can use it as wallpaper. That's you know, true. like Muzak, yeah. you know. Um, it's like an extension of your sense. Right, so it's, it's, it's weird that it's kind of that double-edged sword. It's very intimate, yes, also something you can ignore. You know, I, I don't know. Um, so moving on, I wanted to talk about Yahoo's late-breaking headlines. Yahoo's bought Delicious, which is the premier or one of the first tagging applications and developed by Joshua Schechter when he was a trader in Wall Street or somewhere on Wall Street in his spare time. Um, starting in 2002, had an investment from Fred Wilson of ABC, and now they have bought by Yahoo. Anybody have any comments? Anybody here? Don't screw it up. Ah, <laughs> ah Brian was saying, don't screw it up. I agree. Don't, don't, de don't be evil. Um, Google. Yeah. Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Yahoo. Yahoo. yeah. Don't be evil is Google. Isn't yeah. Don't yeah. be evil is Google. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, David. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was sorry. I'm not, I have nothing to say. I'm just holding this in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, I, the other thing I, I could talk for hours on tags. If anyone doesn't know what tags are, it's basically keywords, right? Putting a one-word, uh, set of one-word descript descriptions to everything you generate on the web. So it started with bookmarks, which is what Delicious is. It was successfully copied or cloned or homaged from Flickr. And that's what they said on the Yahoo blog. They're going to join the fraternal friends Flickr because... Flickr allowed you to tag photos. So I could tag a photo of Susanna Gardner as Susanna Gardner, for example, and you could search for Susanna's or Gardner's or Susanna Gardner's if you tagged it all three ways. Um, and it took off like a bat out of hell, to use a meatloaf reference for those who are older, um, for, uh, on Flickr. And, but it was inspired by Delicious, and uh, I don't know. I, I think there are lots, lots of people have commented on the acquisition. And I think they're buying it for the users. Oh no, it's for the the they're not yeah. buying it for the technology, yeah. right? Because it's a feature. What about what about or the domain the, name? What about for the uh, the development team, though? And, and also, yeah, yeah, two things. Also, they're buying, but Yahoo's buying Delicious for the team and their ideas because they that's obviously what, that's have. That's what they're telling them. That's well, no, it's, and they're buying it for the users. Is don't any, don't uh, believe the man. <laughs> has anybody actually used the MyWeb 2.0 thing that Yahoo started? No, no, it's really interesting that Katarina is now the product manager of MyWeb. Okay. Katarina Fake, one of the founders. used it for a while. I quite like it, yeah. but it doesn't have the community. So right. everybody else is delicious. So yeah. again, they bought it. You can have the world's community. best system, but if there's only two of you using it, it's no good. It's like the Macintosh versus Windows. 
thing. Yeah, maybe the Mac's better, but up until the resurgence, quote unquote, of Apple, well, you know, there is no there is no proprietary technology there. There's nothing yeah. patentable. They yeah, may, they may have made some patents, but there's nothing patentable there. Yeah, there's nothing patentable in Skype. There's nothing patentable in MySpace, and there's nothing right. patentable it's in Flickr. So the common all bread. of these are are users. These yeah, are communities right. you're purchasing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the relation. It's the relationships between the, the users. I mean, because, and you know, from their standpoint also, that, that kind of, redu that increases the, the switching costs, right? Because that's what these guys want. They want loyalty, right? So they're, they're trying to build a new community. I mean, one of the things that keeps people in the community is is they have a relationship with user X, so they can't just pick up and leave to whoever's. Well, Friendster did, right? And I'll just sort of like, you know, yeah. this is one of, this Friendster is friends, picked yeah. up and left. I honestly mm -hmm. think, this is something um, that uh, I've been thinking about recently, is just that I honestly think that, um, that users are a lot more liquid. Um, and if we see something with liquid, as in being able to go from service to service, who's right. offering and the best moody. service? And Moody. Grumpy. Yeah, oh, Grumpy, Moody, yeah. You're already starting to see that on MySpace. Right. Who are leaving because they were bought by Rupert? No, Murdoch? not at all. Because of the spam that's starting to happen ah. on MySpace. And there's a lot of disgruntlement, and, and it is now bought by the man. And, and so there's, there is a, a growing disgruntlement with MySpace already having. People are now moving over to MyFace that are of college <laughs> or age. Facebook or whatever. Or Facebook, that's what yeah. it's called. Facebook, sorry. MyFace, whatever that is. <laughs> my Facebook. Facebook. I think my it's face. My Facebook. <laughs> yeah, nice cover for me, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's, it's, it's, I think they're liquid, and I think yeah, yeah especially have an API. I was just gonna say, right? do you think delicious has an API. Yeah. I don't know MySpace, but some of these might start to close their APIs if they're worried about hemorrhaging uh, users. Right. Well, then the answer would be for the well, you have to keep your you have to keep fresh and vital, and you have to maintain yeah. your street capability, even it, though you've been bought by the man. It's still possible. Yeah, I think because the moment you lock somebody out, which is a tendency you want to do, you want to lock them in. I think there's enough record out there to show that that's not going to work in this environment. It only worked for Microsoft in the '90s. Well, yeah, but there was that brief shining moment of three, four, five, <laughs> ten years. It's not going to happen, right? It's not, and so people will. If you try to lock them in, they're going to. So you have to keep improving your service um, and what you're offering. <clears throat> so where does um? So I use a Trillion, which is a chat program that lets you sign into AOL and Yahoo and. ICQ and uh, MSN all at the same time through one interface, and I paid for it, so there's no advertising or anything like that, cool. which there is on all the, on, well, especially on, on AOL's instant messenger. How does, I mean, how does that, a company like that get, how can they get away with sort of co-opting these communities, with, you know, taking over these community groups? People don't have to leave the service, so they retain their group of friends, and yet they're no longer using the technology of, of the original company. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about remaining credible, I guess. Well, it's, well I mean, but you, you offer service. Right? Yeah, you people offer like, a service that's valuable to people. perfect example of this is, 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 is the dating services, right? I mean, before they used to charge you, um, uh, I guess, per contact or, or how many times you're contacting somebody or how long you're on messaging. Well, you would just exchange... The first time, allegedly, the first time you met somebody, <laughs> the, you would just exchange um, your MSN or your iChat um, IDs, and you would chat for free, right? Yeah, yeah. So therefore, that service, from the from from the standpoint, is is, is not really valid for holding the community and and a revenue. But if you can start actually improving the matching quality because of, of, of the people you're contacting, um, of the ability... Or make it a destination in some way, sticky in it. That's right, sticky in it. Well, and what makes those... In a good way, not in the evil.com <laughs> way. Exactly, so whatever in your particular industry or whatever your, your market is, and your, is, is that's what you need to develop and, um, uh, and be open to the other technologies because they will flow out of it. And if you embrace that, that's back to the question, if you embrace the fact that people can go everywhere, 
um, and you know that's going to happen, you can actually build services to actually stop that from happening. Like that aren't lock-in. Yeah. Actually, Trillion is kind of a response to the lock-in that's happened with um, uh, Windows Messenger and everything. Everybody's got their groups of friends. Some of them are in Yahoo, some of them are on Windows. So it's kind of the equivalent of the open API for companies that don't want to open their APIs. Yeah. Um, you know, that might change now that Yahoo and Microsoft are starting to talk about... And maybe stuff. maybe everyone will use um, Jabber because Google has a pseudo-proprietary version of Jabber, but it's mostly open standards Jabber. That'd so, be great. Yeah. Um, wow. I think I'm kind of out of brain power here. <laughs> I wanted to briefly discuss blogs and dogs. Um, a, a bunch of us, um, Susie Garter, myself, Will Pate, Chris Krug, Eric Rice, um, uh, who else was Scales. it? Robert Scales, uh, Darren Barefoot, Barefoot. a few Vancouverites, and, and uh, Leela Fever, uh, were at Blogs and Dogs, which was in a sort of billed as a blogs master class in Banff, at the Banff New Media Institute this Monday to, to Thursday, or Sunday to Thursday. Like Sunday to Wednesday, I guess, and um, it was it was supposedly it was supposedly a, a masterclass, but there were a few people who hadn't had, didn't have blogs, but everyone knew what a blog was or thought they knew what it was, but not necessarily having blogs. So I don't have any takeaways from that, Susie. Um, what did you learn from our quote unquote students? Well, I was pretty amazed again by the willingness of people to uh, have a basic understanding of a technology, but not have actually used it to come yeah, to something okay. like this. Because, yeah, you know, it yeah. is like it was intensive. People were really, I think, overwhelmed the first day uh, by yes. the, the sheer amount of jargon and discussion of things like RSS and tagging. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. But left with a lot of enthusiasm as well. I mean. I, I just know that, you know, when I sign up for a conference, it's almost always in something that I know something about already and yeah. <laughs> want to learn more about. Or well, you want to meet people who are beginner. coming to that conference. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was amazed by the, um, by the fact that we didn't get people. I mean, we had, let's say, five people who, like, regularly blogged who weren't part of the faculty and their entourage. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot, was a lot of entourage. <laughs> well, no partners and stuff, which is cool. It's yeah. cool. It was, a, it was a very beautiful setting. And I, 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 what I learned is that... Um, you know, the technology is still too hard to use. A lot of the reason people um, had heard of blogs but hadn't used them or had heard of Delicious and how to use it or had heard of video blogging or podcasting, you know, Last FM, 43 Things, 43 People, Delicious, Flickr, PubSub. I mean, the list is kind of overwhelming, just when I it mentioned it there, yeah. is that they didn't, it wasn't um, obvious to them how it related to well, their business no, and personal they had no lives. obvious entry point. Yeah. You know, and, and those that had figured one out were mostly, you know, off on in Blogger, which, you know, is a great tool, but it's limitations. Uh, it has its own limitations and, and yeah. lack of explanation of what the hell you're doing. <laughs> so I, I guess the message on, on, on us here at the table in the room is that we're all sort of, we're sort of tribe spanners. We all sort of are, are in the geek tribe, definitely, and we're all, but we're also educators, evangelists, whatever you want to call us, is that we need to do a better job of teaching and uh, we need to make the tools easier to use. And we need to relate it to the context of actual people and businesses' uh, lives and, and making money and all those things. And I think we did a pretty good job at the conference, but I don't think that message in general is out there. Um, and I think wonderful barrier or barriers, entryways to the whole world is photos, video, and music, you know? I think people definitely relate to much more than text. Mm -hmm. You know, Susie, you're an editor. <laughs> I, w I was amused by uh, uh, by you and Monique Trache, who are uh, uh, she works for Renko's Books, and she was talking about semicolons and commas and. Um, 
underrated semicolon. Uh, the underrated, uh, yeah. the overused semicolon. No, no, it's a fabulous piece of punctuation. No, but I was amazed because <laughs> you could tell. Put one of those in your college essays you're in. And there was, and who was the journalist guy from View Magazine? Um. Anyways, you could tell who the text people were, and they were definitely in the minority. Well, the, maybe the faculty. Yeah, it makes um, me feel old here, Roland. The faculty, Monique, and the the guy from the View, and then. Hmm. Well, I mean, here's <laughs> the rest were more in audio and video, yeah. which is awesome. Which is great, and although I, I will say that the thing that always amazes me about these is that you get people, you know, they all come to it for their own passions, for yeah. their own reasons. Yeah, a lot of and, film um, and movie and audio. Which you were talking about trying to make the technology more, you know, more open, more usable. I mean, the very fact that this medium, this format, attracts people for all kinds of different reasons and who want to use it for yeah. all kinds yeah. of different purposes is what makes it so hard yeah. to uh, to meet all those needs. I mean, yeah. you, you have these bloggers spanning everything from you know you know you're, you're eight and you have a blog to your digital paper you know, 62 and you have a blog and and the per reason you have it and why you do it none from of cats to consistent. serious marketing tools blogs are digital papers and, and to certain and same to a large extent well for the same extent um, podcasts and video blogs it's really a blank slate and then it's the specialized things that Mark Cannon always talks about that may be in the end what using the same infrastructure that's been popularized by blogs podcasts and video blogs but what if I only cared about band reviews and I had a standard band review site that I could go to but it generated RSS with that in a way that it could be crawled we don't have that now uh, we just have freeform text yeah. or specialized videos or audios you know there's lots of things like here's uh, how to template you know um, I don't know I mean I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right it needs to be more easily understood but on the other hand it's such an early stage in the development of this stuff I mean it'd be like be like doing a conference on like the combustion engine or something, you know. I mean, like, well, how does the, my life relate to the combustion engine? <laughs> I think if you put well, four wheels diesel. on this thing, you know, and you could drive to your, you know, uh, grocery, the grocery store or something, right? And, and it's that's sort of where we're at with it. Car so. Daimler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody asked me during the conference if it, you know, if I thought it would be worthwhile for there to be a, a standard set of ethics developed for bloggers, and it's just like, well, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, would it make sense for us to develop a standard of ethics for combustion you know, engines? Right. Not particularly, no. Yeah. Uh, oh. This cannot be used in war. Right. No. This is a technology. The, the way in people, which people are using it is right. the right. part that maybe we need to think about ethics more. But the technology? No. That's what I'd like to do is, I know we will never do it, is to have a standardized set of material that covers all the things that, um, that we talked about and to just put it on the web. And then... If people want to know, I'll just say, okay, well, you can fly me in and we can give you more background, but here's a presentation. So see if you like it before you fly us in or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have a standard. Very foolish. <laughs> Put all my secrets the out there on the web. <laughs> and if you want. Where's the flight to, first yeah. of all? Um, just leave off the last two sentences, you know, the conclusion, and then they'll fly you in and you'll have uh, two uh, sentences. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, I, I I think we've exhausted that. But anyways, the, uh, a lot of the useful materials up there, even for people who weren't there, blogsanddogs.com, B-L-O-G-S-D-O-G-S.com. There's an N in there. Blogs. Oh, blogs and dogs. Blogs and it took dogs. me ages to figure out how to write that. Um, and there's lots of Flickr photos. And we went dog sledding. That was fantastic. It was mighty cold, though. And That's there was heaps of snow, as they cold. say, in northern Ontario. Um, not that I'm from northern Ontario, but I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're done for this week. I, I'm about talked out. Does anyone have any announcements or plugs or anything they want to um, say? Any final remarks? Uh, well, Hop Studios launched a site uh, in this past couple weeks called Truth Dig. Truth Dig. Which, How do I spell um, that? 
T R U T H D I G. Only one G, not like yeah. dig. No, no, not dig. <laughs> it's just dig. Is it a citizen journalism? It's uh, dot com. Um, it's not citizen journalism. I mean, this is actually coming out of um, uh, act- from actual journalists, but who have decided to break away from traditional media and unhappy with that kind of presentation. So it's a uh, politically minded, uh, you know, investigative type journalism. Okay. I'll run off blogging software, and okay. um, it's a pretty cool site. Check it out. Is it America, world, or Canada-based? It is uh, mostly uh, L.A.-based journalists, but okay. the subject material is worldwide. Cool. Anybody else? I just on, That just reminded me of one thing I discovered <laughs> this week that I thought was interesting. Dig.com, D-I-G-G.com. This month, uh, if you look at the Alexa rankings for what they're worth, is larger than NBC and CBS. Ah! Wow. Oh! Wow! Holy crap! In terms of citizen journalism, unique hits yeah. or uh, in terms of the ranking in Alexa, which is like okay. you know the number like they, they they rate you know top thousand sites, top two thousand. Wow! Sites, type of thing. Yeah. Wow! So, you, yeah. There is journalism. a pent up demand. There's a pent up demand because people in dig if you, people don't know what it's like, it's like slash dot for everyone. Is that right? <laughs> it's like now public without footage. <laughs> you, you, the people post uh, links to a story or something, yeah. and then people vote on it. Yeah, they they, they quote unquote dig it, <laughs> or don't yeah. dig it, or as the case may be. Yeah. All right, I, I like dig. By the way, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's great. The dig. Colin, any dig, fr- dig. final words? I like it. I like dig. <laughs> uh, final words of that, nothing really. Oh, green room, greenroom dot ca. Uh, what about? That's your that's your band. It's true. I do play in a band. The yeah. URL though is Green Room Records. Oh, Green Room Records. I was getting wrong. Oh, I just wanted to mention you were talking about jazz records and stuff like that. I've I try I try at one point I tried to collect uh, all the Duke Ellington forever, uh, and it's impossible because the record companies don't package in a way such that you can get all, even though it's avail- even though it's there. So what you end up having is you end up buying all these Duke Ellington records, for example. And you have 20 versions of the same song recorded at the same time because it's impossible to figure it out. What are you going to do? You're going to do due diligence, look at all the track lists. Um, ah, but that's really frustrating. I mean, that and that's in the same format. It's not even the multiple format problem we were discussing earlier. Anyways, uh, David Grant, any, any final words? No, I was, uh, no, I'm just really curious to see what uh, how this all falls out. Really, you know? yeah. I mean, uh, well, as an observer, tune tune in. Tune in. He needs a time machine. Oh, it's 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 actually just fun being in it. I mean, when you can stop and go, wow, I, you can actually see the stuff actually trans, trans, transpiring around you, which is hard to do sometimes when you're in it, right? But okay. Thanks. Thanks for coming up, Brian Rieger. Nothing here. Okay. Well, look look for Brian on a future episode talking about um, Mobile Mondays, Vancouver, and, and Yibu, his um, startup. And we had special uh, guest recording engineer and all-around maven, <laughs> yeah. David Olson. Yeah, right. Uh, I just think any conversation about music on the internet should the word Metallica should be excluded from all. Yeah, because yeah, they're not very, they're not very, they're not very friendly. My apologies. Yeah. There we go. Just, just bar. And, and, and we should have talked more about the Grateful Dead and their whole paradigm of how they shared music. Oh, and oh there was a big, there was a kerfuffle where they temporarily yeah. they, didn't they allow sure people. They sure did. So that'll be a whole other yeah. podcast. Tune in to Chugalon with Uncle Weed where to learn you? more about where that one. I'll still work on my beer. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Ciao. Tschüss.